Oh, I even got my own theme music. All right. Oh, that was funny. All right, now for the next skit. I'm going to give you a lesson here. All right. No, I'm glad to be here. And uh, when Pastor uh, asked me to be a part of this, um, I kind of felt like it hit a tender chord there, Simply Southern. Uh, I grew up in Kentucky, and uh, that's where I was born and raised for most of my growings up. And so uh, I was kind of uh, teasing. I said I was wearing my Sunday meeting clothes today. And uh, I actually did uh, go to a church uh, as a kid uh, where there would be some guys in overalls and, and dress shirts and ties on Sunday. And, uh, but uh, I, I enjoy the theme here, Simply Southern. And so I, I, I know that this, uh, one thing's for sure, that the, the toothbrush is something that we're famous for because if it was not in the South, it would have been a toothbrush. And uh, so we can be thankful to the South for that. Biscuits and gravy, right? Come on, biscuits and gravy. Fried chicken. Man, I'm telling you what, that, 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 that meal right there is so good. Here's a southern phrase for you. If you put it on top of your head, your tongue would slap your brains to get to it. This is that kind of good. That was good. Them green beans, weren't they good? Man, I'm telling you, they were good. Well, I uh, was, like I said, when he asked me to speak, I was very honored. But I was thinking, I said, man, what do I talk about? And I said, you know, it'll be, next month will be one year for Hannah and I since we got married. So I said, well, what, what can we talk about? So I said, you know what, why not give them a crash course? And I said, you know, I think after a year, you know, some of the best coaches weren't the best players. Uh, so, you know, I figured how to have a lifelong successful marriage in one year or less. And uh, so here's how you can do it. Number one, get all your fights out in the first six months. And then after that, it just becomes aggressive discussions. <laughs> Number two, no matter what she says, always buy a small fry. Because if you buy a medium fry, she will eat a small fry's worth from your medium fry. They just won't be any calories because they're from your medium fry. Buy her a small fry when you're going through the drive-thru, okay? <laughs> no, number two, all right? Number two, maybe, maybe this is, you know, a little too personal, but buy ice cream. Have it in the fridge. Always have ice cream because in case she starts getting off on a tangent, just pull out the ice cream and hand it to her. You know, <laughs> argument over. Just buy her some ice cream, all right? So there's a couple of tips. How to have a lifelong successful marriage in one year or less. A couple of things uh, that marriage is, is kind of, these are some good things. Marriage lets you annoy one special person for the rest of your life. <laughs> marriage is an attempt to solve problems together that you didn't even have when you were on your own. <laughs> I'm finding that out. I told my wife that she should embrace her flaws, and she gave me a hug. (laughs) A man's main job is to protect his wife from her desire to get bangs every other month. (laughs) We both said I do, and we haven't agreed on a single thing since. In marriage, one is always right, and the other is the husband. I... I've told our church, I said, I married Mrs. Wright. I just didn't know her first name was always. <laughs> a couple good jokes here I have here. There was two fellows in the South. One's name was Billy Joe and the other name's Jim Bob. Billy Joe and Jim Bob are good buddies. Billy Joe and Jim Bob loved to go hunting. In fact, there was a buck that was running down in South Georgia, and they called him Old Buck Ivor. He was an albino tip to tail, albino white tail deer, had a 
perfect six-by-six six rack. He was just a dream, but he had eluded hunters for just years upon years. Well, Billy Joe and Jim Bob, they went out to the woods one morning, and sure enough, the luck was just on their side. They just had, they just had it with them, and so they were out, and what do you know? Big old Buck Ivory, he's standing, he ain't got no idea that Billy Joe and Jim Bob are, are right in front. Billy Joe, he mounts that 30-odd six, puts one in the chamber, about a squeeze off a trigger. Then all of a sudden, the next thing he knows, Jim Bob's watching Billy Joe put that gun right to his side, and he's standing at attention at a full salute. Jim Bob just can't believe it. He can't believe it. Next thing he knows, here comes a funeral procession. It's coming by. And that funeral procession is a mile and a half long. There's Billy Joe. He's just standing at attention, got his gun to his side. Jim Bob just can't believe it. He's watching the buck of a lifetime get just right in front of their faces. After the funeral procession goes by, Buck Driver, he's, he's gone back into the mystical woods. And Jim Bob put his hands on his hips and he said, Billy Joe, I got to tell you, son, I thought... There for a minute, you was the dumbest, most incapable man I have ever met. How in the world? You passed up on a buck of a lifetime. But I tell you what, you gained a lot of respect. That was, there was something to see, and you stand in salute for that funeral procession. That really touched my heart. He said, well, Jim Bob, I feel like I owed it to her. We were married for 35 years. <laughs> there was a little man in church. He was sitting there in the church service, and the preacher, he was up, and he was preaching red hot. I mean, he was preaching, red, he was preaching on sin. He was preaching on the devil. I mean, he was pre- I mean, it was almost as you could almost see the devil. Well, in fact, the devil showed up. He showed up to that service. And here he comes and he shows up and he scares the whole congregation. The pastor was the first to leave. Except for this one little old man. That devil, he's coming by and he's doing all the tricks that he can. He's scaring everybody out of the whole building, breaking up the Sunday meeting. And this little old man, he just looks at the devil and he <laughs> shakes his head and just puts his hand back in his lap and just keeps staring forward. And he's watching as all these people are climbing out windows, jumping over each other to get out. They want to get out of the devil's way. The devil looks at this little old man. And he, just started, he starts making all these faces and he starts doing all these things to try to scare him and spook him and making images and things. And he's trying to mess with his mind, that little old man just <laughs> oh, and puts his hands back in his lap. The devil comes up and says, sir, what is your, do you know who I am? I'm the devil. He said, I don't know who you are. I've been married to your sister for 35 years. <laughs> last but not least, last but not least, there were two hillbillies. Two hillbillies. Past each other, Skeeter and Stretch. There they are again. They were, they were walking down. Here comes Skeeter. Here comes Stretch. One's coming from that way. The other's coming from the other. And one's coming from town. That'd be Skeeter. Skeeter's coming from town. He's got a poke. Anybody knows what a poke is? That's a, that's a bag, right? He's got a poke. He's got a poke, and that poke is moving around. Stretch goes, hey there, Skeeter. How you doing, son? He said, I'm doing good, boy. He said, Skeeter, what you got in that poke there? He said, I got some laying hens. He said, laying hens. By golly, that's what I came into town for. Skeeter, you'd, sell, you'd save me an awful lot of time if you'd sell me some of those land hens. He said, I don't know, Stretch. I don't know about that. I come into town for these, and I just don't know. I, my wife is really wanting these land hens. He said, oh, come on now. Skeeter, me and you have been buddies for a good long time. He said, all right, Stretch. I'll make you a deal. If you can guess how many land hens I have in this bag, I'll give you both of them. All right. <laughs> all right. There you go. Well, well, I want to get started here. I won't be long. And um, I just want to just, just touch on a topic. We're talking about Valentine's Day banquet. And so in the Bible, uh, we know in the scriptures that love is a topic of consideration. It's, also, it's a topic well taught on. It's a topic well developed. And it's a topic that's near and dear to every single one of us. 
when I thought about what the scriptures had to say, I, I immediately came to a verse in my mind and I began to read it. And I want to talk about that today and just make some just very simple applications. But the greatest type of love, and the title that I would give this, this message or this little passage is no greater love. A love that there is nothing greater than. The Bible says in 1 John 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love hath no man than this. What is this greatest love? The greatest love. And this is Christ Himself, Jesus, is speaking to His disciples. And He says, Greater love hath no man than this, and that a man lay down his life for His friends. Luke 22, verses 41 and 42 say this, And as he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, this is Jesus now in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, excuse me, before the the cross, says a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When I get to think about this, no greater love, what 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 does Christ mean by laying one's life down for their friend? How can we apply that to our life? I mean, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, life is precious. And life is a most precious gift. It's something that we hold dear to ourselves in the most capable and possible fashions before we go home. Uh, What we do on this life will make a difference after our life. And so we only have this life to to get eternity right. Once we die, our eternities has been made. It's been set. Our course has been set. We have either received Christ and we know where our destination is. We know what's going to happen to us when we die. But we can only make that certain on this side of eternity. So what does he mean by the greatest love is when someone's willing to lay down their life for their friend. Give their life. See, there's no greater love or no demonstration of one's love than the laying down, or let me say it like this, laying aside one's life for another. It's being willing to make complete personal sacrifice, and listen to this, for the absolute, complete benefit of another. Biblical love or divine love is the most pure and holy and complete love that one can strive to give or even hope to receive. You see, what we have to understand about love is like everything else. Love in this world and in this life is not only an emotion, it's an attribute and it's a creation ultimately of God. Love is the pursuit, it is, of all men. Love is the pursuit of all men, of all creeds, of all times. Everyone wants to be loved, or something to love. But just as with all things that come from God, man often tries to put his own take on what love should be and what it is, instead of simply finding and asking the Creator. Don't we find that as Christians? We find what God intended and then what man thinks. God intended for Adam and Eve to live in perfect, sublime, and ultimate divine uh, authority under God. And he said, you can have everything. Just don't eat of this tree. You can have everything. Just not that one thing. What did man want? What he couldn't have. But God, that's not what God intended. God intended for it to be pure. He intended it to be fulfilling. And that's how he intended love to be. He intended love to be a fulfilling in our lives. But sadly, there are many that will go through this life 
There are many maybe even in here, and you have a hole in your life, and what you're missing is love. I know that my father come from a broken home. His dad died, uh, I believe it was three weeks before he was born of congestive heart failure. I'm actually one year older than my grandfather. My grandfather died at 25 years old and left three kids and a widow behind. My dad never knew his dad. The only thing he knew was an abusive, alcoholic stepfather who really wanted nothing to do with those stepchildren and uh, had a very rough testimony. Um, his, he had uncles that thought it was fun to chase little kids around the front yard in the back country of Wisconsin and shoot over the head with a deer rifle. Thought they, that was a good kick out of the day. There was a lot of love he was missing. He never heard the words, I love you. He never had a dad scoop him up in his arms at night or be there at any of his games. None of that. He, he went through his whole childhood and even into adulthood. And to this day, he doesn't have anybody on his side of the family besides now his mother and some of his siblings now that will even say those words, I love you. In fact, when my mom and dad got married um, and entered into that family, my, my uh, grandparents, my mom's uh, parents, that was the first time he had really heard family as my grandfather say, I love you from another man. It's not something he was used to having, but something that he wanted, something he desired, something I think we all desire. Because see, man pursues loves in different ways. Man will seek love or something that he loves often at any cost. Okay, for some it's fortune, right? The love of what? Money. But the what of money? The love of money. Don't we see that today? People willing to do anything to make a dollar. I mean, it's, it's detestable what people are willing to do with their own bodies, sell their own selves and their purity for a dollar. Children, trafficking. I mean, we, we think about these things, these detestable moral sins, abortion, Think about these things, being willing to take somebody else's life. The fact that somebody can be labeled a hitman. I mean, they have these in TV shows, but that's a real thing. I mean, somebody's willing to have money to go kill an individual that they don't know for what? Because they love. They don't like money. They love money. They love it. Okay, for others, it's fame. People love fame. They want to be known. For others, a companionship. That's what they want. They desire companionship, and they're willing to risk anything on that cost. The list can continue. I'll just be brief. Appreciation, support, power, admiration, peace. The list could go on. But just as with all things that come from God, man often tries to put his own take on what it should be. So then what is this greatest love then? What does it really mean? Well, here's what it simply means. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You see, love by man is often portrayed as a two-way street, right? You give in order to get, right? You want your dog to love you? What do you got to do? You got to schmooze your dog. <laughs> you got to bring that puppy a bone. You go kick that dog. My dad grew up uh, raising uh, red bone coon hounds. Anybody know what a red bone coon, you know what I'm talking about? Red bone coon hounds, they are like the pit bulls of coon dogs. They're just muscular dogs. They used to raise red bone coon hounds. And my, my dad's stepdad used to fight them dogs in the back. Well, he didn't go out there and pet the dogs. <laughs> he did. When those red bones saw his stepdad coming, <laughs> they knew what he was about. He was about to put them in a fight. So he went, my dad, he'd go out there and he'd schmooze those dogs. He'd be out there, he'd feed them and pet them. And when those dogs would have puppies, my dad would go out there and they'd be with him. But my point is, is if you want that dog to love you, you've got to love that dog. And that's a lot of times, it's a simple and it's a crude analogy, but a lot of times that's how we see it. Look, if I'm going to love you, 
you better love me. But see, that's not biblical love. That's not the way love is intended. See, love is one way. Love is this. Love and the holy divine love is you give in order for another to gain. See, now man, or let me be specific in this, unholy man or woman is unable to produce this love naturally. We can't, we can't produce this love that I'm talking about. We can't produce it naturally. Well, while it's true that man contains the attributes or desire or this emotion of love, man cannot obtain or give to another divine love without divine help. Here's what I mean by that. You can't give the love of God without God. See, God created love. And the only true and fulfilling love is a divine love. A love that came from its creator, right? If I have something that I own and I want to know how to use it, I'm going to go, well, probably to YouTube, but I'm going to go and try to find possibly the owner. I want to know how the car works, right? I want to know how something mechanic works. I'm going to go to the source. Okay, so where did love come from? Love didn't evolve. Love was created. It was instilled for a purpose. Let me move on and say this. Sacrificial love, number one, is a selfless love. I think we can all agree that selfishness is not necessarily an admirable quality. You rarely, if ever, hear someone say of another, man, he's just a great guy. He's one of the most selfish people I know. All they can do is think about themselves. (laughs) I wish I was as selfish as they are. (laughs) Do we ever hear that? Isn't it true that people that do have such a testimony are often the source of negativity and contribute little, if any, to their environment and benefit of others? Such people are often avoided. (laughs) I've put it like a hairless cat. Just avoid avoid cats, period. You ever seen a hairless cat? Avoid that thing. That thing's scary. That's just, that's just nasty. But we want to avoid it at all costs. Somebody that's selfish? Well, I mean, what, what would you tell your children? I mean, I can't, I don't know, but there would be sometimes when I was on the playground or when I was in middle school, there'd be that one boy, that one girl. You know, they always had to be in line. They always had to be the first. And, but I, for whatever reason, I wanted them as my friend. I don't, know how that, I don't know why kids do that, but they all have that one kid that picks on that they want them to be their friend. My dad said, son, you don't need him as your friend. He's not your friend. He's selfish. He's not looking out for you. He don't care anything about you. <laughs> get, rid of, get rid of that relationship. See, when somebody's selfish, they obviously, not, not only do they not contribute, but they don't have any kind of impact. They're selfish. And that's what we see in the Garden of Eden. Man got selfish. He decided to take things into his own hands. And that's why a man today is wondering, what's that hole in my heart? And how do I get that fulfilled? And he looks for it in sources. He's always looking for it instead of getting it from the source. He's always looking for it in things, materials. Okay, selfless love. All right. Aren't we thankful for the people in our lives who bear the opposite testimony, those who will seemingly do anything to help another out, be the first to say, I'm sorry? Or to not have to have the last word? Aren't you thankful for those people in your life that let you have the last word? Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. Or willing to just listen as you ramble on. I tell you what, my grandma, she passed away. She was the best listener. You can just sit there and just ramble on and on. I miss her. But aren't you just, aren't you just thankful for those people you have in your lives that aren't selfish? That are selfless? Okay. Well, if we know which one is better and we know which one we'd rather have in our lives, then which one are you? Which one are you in the lives of those around you? 
Okay, what about our marriages? Each of us must be willing to be selfless and surrender to our Savior and to each other. We must each be willing to set aside our natural tendencies and desires for one another. Wives are to be selfless in their submission, and husbands are to be selfless in their leadership of love. But no matter what your relationship status is or isn't, we are to be selfless in all of our relationships. When, you know, this is something that we're having to learn. That when we stood at the altar and made a vow to each other, we didn't make it to each other. Only we made it to God. You see, today people want to say that marriage is just a piece of paper. Or marriage is a relationship. Marriage is a vow. See, marriage was created as well. And where did that, where did that idea of marriage... You ever think, I mean, if you ever stop thinking, where did marriage come from? Who in the world decided that that was a good thing? Well, God did. It was a perfect thing. In fact, in Ephesians, and I'm not going to take time to, to give it there, but when God wants to give you a perfect image of what love is, He uses marriage. And He uses the church. He uses the church, and He uses the marriage. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, men are not naturally affectionate. When we get it, when I got a boo-boo, I, wasn't, I did not expect my dad to kiss my boo-boo. Okay, that's not my dad. My dad is a wonderful man. We, I believe it or not, I still hug my dad. We still, I still kiss him on the cheek. He's still my dad. But my dad is a man, and he's a man's man. He doesn't do that kind of stuff. You know, he's not going to get down there. He's going to say, this is my dad. You all right, buddy? All right, get up. Okay, all right. I know it hurts, but stop crying, son. Okay. Now, son, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. All right? <laughs> That's enough. What's my mom? I mean, I, my dad would say that. What's my mom? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Now she's in pain. You know? <laughs> what is the matter? You know? That's moms. That's why the Bible says he gives us roles that are hard to fulfill in ourselves. Because we see, you see, when we are trying to do something that God intended without God, we won't fulfill his purpose. Sadly, there are a lot of youngins that are loose on the street, that are in places that they shouldn't be, because their daddy wasn't what God told him to be. Dads and men, this is hard. I'm not, and I'm not saying that, I'm only one year into this thing. I'm not saying this is something I'm telling you that you need. I'm saying this is what the Bible says. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm thankful that I have a dad who displayed this for me. But men are supposed to be, believe it or not, in our communities, in our homes, and in our churches, the most loving people should be men. Now you think about how hard that is. Because men are also leaders. And it's not easy to lead lovingly. That's why men are leaders. Because men are created to be a little less emotional than women are. That's just how it is. If you want to try to, if you want to, try to argue it, go ahead. But you're going to be wrong. <laughs> you're going to be wrong every time. That's what the Bible says. And believe it or not, the Bible tends to be right on things like that. Women are more emotional. Men are less emotional. It's harder for a man to lead in love than women is. That's why God says, that's your job. You got to be the most loving person in your home. It doesn't say emotional says loving. Loving is emotional. Sometimes love is tough. You know, daddy ever had those talks that you didn't need, that you didn't want to hear, but you needed to hear? That's love. 
Isn't love sometimes just being there? Isn't love being willing to be selfless? I, can't, I can tell you this. My dad, and I'm, I'm, I have to be careful. It's emotional for me. My dad was always the first one between he and I to say he was sorry. Again, my dad never had a dad. He has no idea how to be. He has no example, earthly example. He has a better example. He had a heavenly example. He read his Bible and he said, that's the kind of dad I'm supposed to be. We want to know what kind of husbands we're supposed to be. It's right here in the book. Loving husbands. We know what wives we're supposed to be. Submissive wives. And that's hard too. I have three sisters and three strong sisters. And one of the reasons why I talk so much because if you don't get your words in, you're not going to get them at all. <laughs> Imagine three women. It's not easy for us to fulfill our roles. But we can with God. Selfless love. Sacrificial love. Saying, not me, you. On both parts. Okay? Say, I'm not married. Okay, the Bible has a verse for you too. He has a verse for all of us. Selfless love in our relationships. The Bible says, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40 says this, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? God, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments, God says, there's a bunch of them out there. And there's ten that we all try to memorize in Bible school. But if you just only do two of them, this is what all, that says, hang all the law and the prophets. Love God and love people. Now, the good thing is it doesn't say you have to like people. (laughs) But you do have to love them. And love is selfless. Love is one way. And you know where we get that picture? And I'm coming to a close here quick. Christ. When Christ came to this earth, He came on this earth for you to gain. What what did He have to gain to die for you? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I'm sure thankful that our Savior demonstrated this sacrificial love most beautifully for all on the cross. I'm glad He was willing to leave the splendors of heaven for the trial of earth. He could have stayed in His Father's arms, but instead He embraced a manger. He wore a cloak of humanity and He bore a cross. Why? For you. For you to gain. In his loss. That's why he says, This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Because, see, sacrificial love is a spiritual love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, the Creator. And then it's a Savior's love. You see, he didn't come for all to gain, he didn't come to get, but for all to gain. He did no miracle for himself. He didn't, he didn't raise himself from the dead first. Who did he do that first to? Didn't he do it to people like Lazarus? When he, when, he, when, he, when he took the five loaves and the two fishes, did he do it for his lunch? Who did he do it for? Others. When he healed the blind, did he do it for himself? No. He did it for others. 
You know that phrase, others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Others. 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 See, this world is selfish. You don't have to teach kids to be selfish. You have to teach them to be selfless. That's why Christ says, oh, little children. Because we can act like it sometimes. We can act like little children. Well, you better say sorry first. Well, you don't know what they did to me. And God says, forgive those that despitefully use you. Pray for those that hate you. You see, bitterness and hate, they're like a poison. They only affect the container that they're in. They only affect the container that they're in. That poison, you know why you're bitter and, and, and hate maybe even the person that God intended for you to love? It's because you're selfish. It's because you don't love the Lord. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe it's because you've never experienced that love yourself. See, if we were right with God where we should be and have experienced the love of God and we, and we really believed in what our salvation was for us, we would say, man, I didn't deserve heaven. I don't deserve God. I know who I am. I know who people... I know who I am. I know the person that people don't know. There, see, there's a side to you that nobody knows. <laughs> and you know it. But God knows too. I'm a good person. God didn't come to earth for good people. If you're a good person, then God didn't come for you. But you're not a good person. You're a sinner. Trust me, I got three sisters. I know what sinners are like. <laughs> All right? You're a sinner. I can remember one time, there's a funny story. I got to tell it. I'm sorry. My mama was a southern mama. We come home from school. She, give me a hug, boy. I mean, I'm like 20 years old coming from the warehouse. I'm all covered in gut. Give me a hug, boy. All right, mama. You know, you always come to mama. Well, I was 16 years old. Didn't want to come to mama. I don't want to come in and give my mama a hug. Kiss, that's weird. You know what I mean? That's weird. My mom would always say, as long as I can shake a stick in this house, you will do what I say. If you have to stand on your head and gargle peanut butter, you're going to do what I say you're going to do. Yes, ma'am. Well, she got these two paint sticks, these long ones that you can get from Lowe's that are about a 16th inch stick, and she got two of them and rubber banded them together. So I'm coming home from school one day, and I had a good day. I had a good day. I was coming home to say hi to Mama. I was looking for Mama. Where's the little lady? I'm coming in. Hey, Mama, come here. I'll give you a big hug and kiss. Come here, Mama. That woman is nowhere to be found. That little woman had hid behind the door in the kitchen, and she knew where I was going to make my way to eventually, the kitchen. I'm 16. So she's standing behind that, and I get through the kitchen door, and she wears into me like a home run. Just boop, 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 And I'm, you know, oh, you know, I'm, oh, my goodness, what? After I get done with the cat of nine tails, I'm like, what was that for? She said, for whatever you've been doing while I'm not looking. <laughs> now give me a hug. And I'm telling you. But isn't it true? Hey. There's something inside of us. You can hate. You can hate. You can lust. You can hate. You can lust. You can, you can curse in your heart. You know when people develop hate? They don't sit in a room and talk to themselves out loud. They do it internally. You know when you hate people is when you muse. When you meditate. You know this word meditation? That people, yeah. If we get rid of meditation and just pray, <laughs> we do a lot better. Instead of trying to reflect in it of ourselves, and the Bible says none is good. So any, any conclusion that you feel that you've come to your own, it's probably not good or not good for a while. That's why we need God. 
because we're finite. We have faults. We have failures. That's why Christ died. That's why he came, to give you something that you don't deserve. But he loved you. We want happy homes? Got to have the love of God. We want to have a good church? Got to have the love of God. Thankful for a good pastor? I got a good pastor? That doesn't make a good church. A good church is a church that follows God. My pastor follows God. I have a good pastor. He's not dynamic. He doesn't have to be dynamic. He just needs to follow God. I am not an emotional guy. I'm not slobbery. You don't have to be slobbery, but you do have to lead in love. I have some good ideas. I know you do, but you got to submit. I don't like my neighbor. You don't have to like him. You just have to love him. It's when man gets selfless, when he's not willing to lay down himself the way Christ did for us, that's when problems arise. With heads bowed and eyes closed real quick, and I'm done. I want to give an opportunity. See, when Christ gives us this picture of marriage, when he gives us this picture of love, it's always with an invitation. You know, I don't know. I don't ever want to take it for granted. I've had people that I've grown up in church with, went to Sunday school with, went to junior church. I went to Bible college, and they didn't accept Christ as their Savior. They weren't saved. You know, maybe that hole in your heart and in maybe your marriage, maybe even in your relationships, it's the love of God, the Creator. Maybe it's because you don't realize what God did for you when He came and died on the cross. He gave His life. Who are you willing to give your life for? Your family? Good. Your country? Wonderful. What about the people you hate? You know, there's a bunch of atheists in this world that hate God, but He loved them. He didn't care. It's a one-way street. He came for you. Is there someone here today that says, you know what, that hole in my heart, it's an eternal hole. If I was to die today, I, have, I don't know if I'd be in heaven's gates or split hell wide open. And I don't, I don't want to have to go life without it. If there's someone here today, you'd raise your hand. I'm not here to embarrass you, but we're at church. And if you can't be honest at church, where can you be honest? We're not here to pick on anybody. But is there anyone here today that said, I've never accepted Christ as my Savior? I want to ask for a raise of hands. And I'm going to have the pastor to come and close us in prayer. Is there someone here today that says, you know what? I think the problems that I'm having is really the problems that I'm creating. I am going to commit to be more sacrificial in my love because I'm sure thankful for the sacrifice of love God made for me. Pastor. Pastor.